Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. No time to waste here. There's a million things going on. The amount of information that is coming out here is coming out at lightning speed. Uh, here's what I want to start off with here in, in this episode. I have some geopolitical things that I want to mention right off the bat. I want to revisit a particular legal issue that was tossed my way by Sicily, and then I had a discussion with AJ about it briefly, but it's back here uh, in the news to some extent. Could kick off a variety of other things. Time will tell on that, but I'll, I'll mention that here in a second. A great deal of education-related stories also, many of which have been tossed to me by listeners of the show, and thank you for sending them my way. Same thing with the jabs. That leads directly into a, a great deal of jab information and a lot of posts that have been tossed my way by listeners. And then again, sort of some recommendations on some pattern recognition, I think, that we all should continue to pay attention to if we aren't already. And then I want to end on a positive note with an interesting post also, which again sort of uh, encapsulates the entire time, I think, that we're living in, which is certainly one of the most remarkable, if not the most remarkable times to be alive. So, with that said, here's the first thing I want to mention. Sicily and New Mexico sent this my way before Thanksgiving. And I put it up on Gab, and it didn't get any traction hardly at all. I just said, eyes on this. This is an interesting Supreme Court case. And it has to do with uh, a man by the last name of Brunson bringing a basically an oath of office breaking legal case to the Supreme Court regarding individuals in Washington, D.C., elected officials who broke their oaths of office, in particular regarding the 2020 election. And it essentially states that because they broke their oath of office by certifying a fraudulent election where there was known fraud, uh, that they should be removed from office and can never be allowed to serve in office ever again. I tossed this to A.J. Gochik, and he provided his input. He didn't think that it would get many, you know, that it would get much legs or had much, many legs based on some previous cases, I guess, that the brothers Brunson had brought previously. But what's interesting is, is now we're here in the first week of December after Thanksgiving, of course, and uh, this is starting to hit a lot of these boards, this particular case. And a theory about this case that's been bouncing around is that. If a case like this makes it to the Supreme Court, which it has, and the Supreme Court judges, which of course take their own oaths of office, do not rule favorably in such a case, then they are, by way of, well, their ruling, are breaking their own oaths of office, therefore ushering in the opportunity or certainly giving what would seem to be the green flag for uh, martial law or military intervention of of some kind. If you couple this with all of the Twitter information that's coming out now regarding, again, interference in in a state-run election, in a country's election, and a variety of other things all going on at the exact same time, it kind of makes sense in that particular point. Again, it is designed to, I think, back a lot of different avenues and a lot of different branches of government back into corners so that it leaves the individuals who are really in charge of the military no choice. Because again, look what is happening in Brazil. The military is about to uh, 
completely take over if they haven't already regarding that fraudulent election. And that could be a precursor again to, to what happens here. So I want to read this post from greatawakening.win. And this was originally published on the American Thinker or American Thinker rather. Uh, so I'm just going to read this as quickly as I can here. It says the following. It's titled, Remember, the Brunson case is about them breaking their oath, not election fraud. It says, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear truth, faith, and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter, so help me God. It says, Where we go one, we go all. Quote, the question, how can you support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic? Answer, you investigate. If there are claims that there is a threat, even if you don't believe that there is a threat, you investigate. How else can you determine if there is a threat unless you investigate? You can't. Were there, were there claims of a threat to the Constitution? Yes. Where did these serious claims come from? 100 members of Congress. What was their threat? What was the threat, rather? That there were enemies of the Constitution who successfully rigged the 2020 election. Is this lawsuit about a rigged election? No. It's about the members of Congress who voted against the investigation, thereby thwarting the investigation. Was this a clear violation of their oath? Yes. And it says, question of law in the Supreme Court case known as Brunson versus Alma S. Adams and others, Biden, Harris, Pence, and 385 members of Congress. They broke their oaths. It says, Loy, uh, Rayland, Duran, and Gaynor Brunson all witnessed what they believed to be the theft of the 2020 election and decided to file suit. However, the interesting approach that they have taken is not to make a formal complaint that the election was stolen. Instead, they have chosen to sue members of the U.S. Congress who voted not to investigate whether any election irregularities may have occurred that could have affected the outcome. In other words, the Brunson brothers were motivated to sue because these elected officials broke their oaths to protect the Constitution of the United States. The Brunson brothers believed that to support and defend the Constitution, an investigation into possible fraud needed to take place. Otherwise, how could anyone know with certainty whether the election had been secure? It continues, it says, What shocked the Brunson brothers was that only 147 members of U.S. Congress voted in support of the proposed 10-day audit of the election before certifying the ballot count of the Electoral College. Well, according to the Washington Post, 377 members voted against the proposed 10-day investigation, and eight abstained. Supreme Court Docket Number 22-380. Eventually, the case, Raylan J. Brunson, Petitioner versus Alma S. Adams and others, ended up on the docket of the Supreme Court. The questions presented, quote-unquote, section in Raylan J. Brunson's petition for a writ of certiori, goes, a, goes like this, quote, 
a serious conflict exists between decisions rendered from this court and lower appeals courts along with constitutional provisions and statuses. In deciding whether the trial court has jurisdiction to try the merits of this case. This case uncovers a serious national security breach that is unique and is of first impression. And due to the serious nature of this case, it involves the possible removal of a sitting president and vice president of the United States, along with members of the United States Congress, while deeming them unfit from ever holding office under federal, state, county, or local governments found within the United States of America. And at the same time, the trial court also has the authority to be validated by this court to authorize the swearing-in of the legal and rightful heirs for President and Vice President of the United States. In addition, there are two doctrines that conflict with each, with each other found in this case affecting every court in the country. These doctrines are known as the Doctrine of Equitable Maxim and the Doctrine of the Object Principle of Justice. Equitable maxim created by this court, which the lower court used to dismiss this case, sets in direct violation of the object principle of justice, also partially created by this court and supported by other appeal courts and constitutional provisions. These conflicts call for the supervisory power of this court to resolve these conflicts, which has not but should be settled by this court without delay. Might the Supreme Court grant relief, not only to the Brunson brothers, but to millions who are weary of being characterized as quote-unquote election deniers, simply for wanting investigations to take place? Is it possible that some or all of those named in the lawsuit might be removed from office? Keep an eye on this one. Paul Dowling has written about the Constitution as well as articles for American Thinker, Independent Sentinel, Godfather Politics, Eagle Rising, and Free Thought Matters. And there you go. Again, that was written apparently by Paul Dowling on AmericanThinker.com. In the comments section, a person says, great point to focus on. Another person says, yes, they broke their oaths to defend the U.S. Constitution by refusing to investigate the evidence of election fraud brought forward by over 100 members of Congress, and that refusal directly caused a breach of national security. Add in collusion with a foreign power, and you have treason. It says the other issue is the immunity that elected representatives have tried to legislate for themselves, but that is not going to work either. We, uh, let me see here. It says, we will know on January 6th whether or not this was a political game being played by the Supreme Court or if it is a merchant to be used, or I'm sorry, a mechanism to be used by the Supreme Court plus the military to defend our country from the puppet government installed by the attack. Uh, the final point on this timing, some people are convinced that the removal of the traitors was delayed until January of 2023 in order to give President Trump six more years, plus to also let the Democrat Party destroy itself in the interim. Again, a lot of people seem to agree with this. It took a while for it to get on GreatAwakening.win. As you know, I can't post on GreatAwakening.win anymore. Uh, they kicked me off a long time ago. I want to say at least nine months ago. 
for again sharing the truth uh, in video form about a great many things. And uh, yeah, but either way, I, I th this is something worth paying attention to. I, I don't know how the case is going. I don't know if it's done yet. Um, you would think that if a ruling had been made, it would be on this board in, in due time, but we'll see. Again, I still think that military intervention is going to be the only way forward here, simply because the fraud is too vast, and it exists everywhere. It's in every town, city, county, state-level government, you name it. So time's going to tell on that, but I wanted to read that because I thought that was an interesting write-up about it, interesting interpretation. And yeah, time will tell. I think time's going to tell on it. So we'll see. Okay, here's the first one, education stuff now, and there's a great deal of it here. This comes from the Gateway Pundit, uh, titled Groomer Alert, Underage Students at High School Forced to Perform in Drag for Eager Adult Faculty Members. Uh, I mean, they're not learning. Again, you know, the, the, the people that work in these buildings are not learning. You, you, you've heard me describe the psychological mentality of these individuals and their propensity to consistently make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Their perversions are blinding their judgment. Because, again, too many eyes on a school district is kryptonite to them. Most school districts hate this kind of attention, or any kind of attention for that matter. Most of them would prefer to fly under the radar. Not so with these perverse degenerates. They're, they're apparently fine with this kind of uh, negative attention. And then, of course, they justify their participation and then, you know, on to the next thing. But their perversions are clouding their judgment. It says the following, quote, A particular incident that happened at Hunderton Central Regional High School in Flemington, New Jersey, takes this grooming to the extreme. Chaya Rachik, if I'm saying that right, or libs of TikTok, revealed Thursday that the student group Pulse, People Understanding Love Serves Everyone, it's pedophilia, secretly held a drag show on, Octo on October 27th. It says the performance took place on school property in secret and was the brainchild of demented faculty advisor Heather Baldwin. She then sent an email inviting fellow school staffers to watch the kids perform in front of them here is the invitation. The invitation says, quote, from Heather Baldwin to all the staff. Good morning. The Pulse students are putting on an invite only, pst, this is your invite, drag show in the Little Theater Block 5 today. If you would like to come and support the students in their efforts to create fun drag looks, Please feel free to drop by and join us. So this is happening during the school day. The superintendent has apparently also blocked his Twitter account from certain individuals, made it private, and that's completely, completely par for the course for these individuals. In fact, I'm shocked that these superintendents are on Twitter. You know, there was a time when school administrators would do whatever they could to tell as many people as possible to never be on social media. And then all of a sudden, somewhere, at some, at some time, it sort of came down as an email directive to almost every single superintendent and every single building administrator that you had better be on Twitter. 
So the very thing that they're telling other people not to do at one point in time, now all of a sudden, again, it's commonplace for everybody to be on social media if you're in the education field. Again, it used to be something that I warned people to not do. When I was in the education business myself, I never was on social media, not ever. And I watched a lot of people lose their jobs over it, get in trouble for it, et cetera, et cetera. But it's commonplace now. And that right there, again, is just another giant mistake. They're not thinking about what they say online and how that might back up on them. And then, of course, parents are really the ones, and conservative parents are the ones who really run social media. They know how to use it a whole lot better, and they know what to do to crush an entire school district. But here's about two minutes and 50 seconds of parents speaking at that board meeting after all of this was revealed. So give this a listen in three, two, one. So imagine our frustration when passes were given to selected students on October 27th to leave our class at 1.30 to participate in the school-sponsored drag show. Instead of our students being engaged in academic time, they were applying makeup and changing into their drag costumes. This was a loss of over 30 minutes of instructional time for these students. One of the invited spectators for the drag show was Phoebe Mantrap, a professional drag queen. From our perspective, it does not seem fair and equitable that Hunter and Central students were not able to celebrate with their peers, but a professional drag queen from outside the Hunter and Central community was allowed. Furthermore, based on the chatter that we have heard amongst the students in our classrooms, Dr. Moore's decision has created significant confusion, division, and resentment between students. Well, it looks like we've put a whole new meaning to the word adult entertainment here, haven't we, Board of Ed? Adult entertainment used to mean adults going to strip clubs, watching other adults engage in sexual behavior. Well, now, thanks to this board, we see adult entertainment as a bunch of high school staff watching young children for their entertainment. And to those of you who still retain your seats, those days are numbered because we will continue to expose the evil that you're doing in secret and behind closed doors. Just the fact that you have to hide this garbage tells us how evil it is. In the meantime, while you guys still temporarily hold these seats, remember we are looking at all avenues of holding you accountable for these actions. And I believe that the reason for the educational uh, deterioration in America is a preoccupation with ideology and sexuality at the expense of academia. Um, you take this drag queen performance as an example. Not only were students taken out of the class to prepare for the performance, but they would have been unable to focus on their studies in any class during the day while their minds were preoccupied imagining about this performance. The question is, is this an academic institution or is this an ideological institution? If I were to identify, if I were to identify as an elephant or wanted to change into an elephant, that would be okay if I was a toddler. But as an adult, a real academic institution would teach me that it was scientifically and biologically impossible. It would, in fact, be a mental disorder and I should be referred to for psychiatric help because in reality... A drag queen performance is sexually grooming children, and that's unacceptable in this community. As a school board, you should recognize how divisive some of you are in, in this community by promoting this exclusive uh, sexual ideology. Now, the first thing here is that apparently that first person was a school teacher. That's fantastic. 
it sounded like it was a school teacher coming from a school teacher. And again, a school teacher speaking at a school board meeting and bashing the school board about what's going on within their building. That's awesome. That's a person who's got a lot of guts and good for them for doing it. Because again, they're, they're, they themselves are actually doing what their contract tells them to do. You know, they have to protect students, they have to teach them appropriately, and they have to, they have to comment and, and record and notice things that are happening that are taking away from their instructional time and, of course, that are particular activities that, again, are breaking their own contracts if they themselves were to participate in them. So they were commenting, again, on the wasted time and how it was happening during the day, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I know that the Drag Queen Story Hour stuff is low-hanging fruit, no pun intended, but as far as libs of TikTok goes, I know that this is easy for them to comment on. It's a safe area. Again, it's like Matt Walsh talking about trannies. It's safe for him. He doesn't want to ruffle any more feathers beyond that. He, he, he stays in that particular lane. My problem is this. Why doesn't somebody like libs of TikTok comment on Sandy Hook? And how that didn't happen. Why doesn't somebody like Libs of TikTok actually expand their mind a little bit and comment on Uvalde and how that didn't happen either? See, they're not going to do that because it's too risky for them. They're enjoying the thing that they've got going. It's maybe bringing them some money. They're more concerned with that than they are anything else. And again, like I said, talking about Trannies in schools become commonplace and easy for these outsiders who have never been in the education business before to comment on. I'm not saying it's good. It's clearly not. It's terrible. It's Weimar Germany, and uh, these people should be eliminated. But the point is, is that there's more to talk about, and there's deeper fraud, and it goes, I mean, it's, it's, it's beyond evil in, in endless directions. So not to mention, I should say this, speaking of Uvalde, one of the alleged parents with no fake dead, or, you know, with no real dead kids, rather, um, has decided to sue the school district and the police force and apparently the city as a result of, you know, not losing their child in that shooting that didn't happen. So it's the Sandy Hook play all over again. It's money laundering. They sue school districts who have money because of all of that money that was raised. Uh, you know, uh, uh, some lawyer somewhere without having to divulge any actual evidence of a death actually occurring, just rules in the favor of the parent. I'm assuming this is how it would all work out. And then this money that's been raised that's in this giant uh, invisible pot, so to speak, and, and of course the money came from taxpayers in America who are gullible enough to throw these people money, that money just changes hands. It just, it's like uh, musical chairs. It just goes around and then it lands in their chair and then, you know, they walk away with a few extra dollars that they didn't have in the first place, you know, piled on top of the giant pile of money that they already have from gullible individuals who, again, donated copious amounts of dollars, which total in the millions, I might add. So they're just, they're just shaking hands and every single time they shake hands, there's a giant envelope in everybody's hands and they're just moving money around. It's awful. The entire thing is terrible. They're cults, for God's sakes, and they're money launderers. So that's kind of the end of that. Here's the next thing. This was tossed to me by 
our Louisiana educator, more satanic clubs, and I've got some audio to play here. This was a satanic club comes to Virginia Elementary School, and you're going to get a good listen into the participants and uh, organizers of this club because they are as insane as you would think. So give this a listen. The announcement of an after-school Satan club at a Chesapeake primary school is sparking a debate over religious freedom. Many parents reached out to 10 on your side and asked us to look into this, so that's what we did. Investigative reporter Julie Malay joins us now with the story. Julie? Lena, the supervisor of public relations for Chesapeake schools, tell me they have been inundated today with calls from parents and press over the arrival of the after-school Satan club at BM Williams Primary School. Some concerned parents tell us they don't want anything related to Satan in their child's school, but club leaders tell us they're no friend of the devil. We are non-theistic. We do not worship a literal Satan. Rose Bastet says the after-school Satan club coming to B.M. Williams Primary School. I have to interject very quickly here. The voice of the woman you just heard starting to talk, she's wearing a t-shirt that says, well-behaved women seldom make history. (laughs) I mean, the irony is palpable. So, yeah. And, you know, dyed red hair, facial piercings, uh, you know, a true model citizen. Uh, Okay, sorry. Back to the audio. We'll teach kids about critical thinking and science. I understand the apprehension behind the satanic name, but he is just an imaginary figure that we look to because he is the eternal rebel that fought for justice and humanity. Bastet says this all started when this email from BM Williams principal Bridget Gates was sent to parents in September. It encourages them to sign their kids up for the Evangelical Good News Club. This flyer came along with it, describing the Bible and scripture lessons that are a part of the club. That's when National Campaign Director for the After School Satan Club, June Everett, says she got a call from a school parent asking them to start a branch at their school. We like to go to schools where um, there are uh, other religious clubs operating. Um, We we do know that uh, we do tend to cause a community stir. That is absolutely not our goal. Everett says the club is to offer kids an alternative to Christian-based groups. Initial shock is always, oh my gosh, Satan. We do have our deeply held religious beliefs, which are part of the seven tenets. Um, If you look them over, it is essentially be a good person. Everett says they got approval from the school to start the club, but that the school will not distribute the permission slip and flyer via email like they did with the Good News Club. We asked the school for a comment on that, and they said they don't have any right now. They did, however, share with us this letter sent to parents from Superintendent Dr. Jared Cotton. It says, quote, over the years, different religious groups have requested and been allowed to rent our facilities after hours. By law, CPS cannot discriminate based on beliefs. The letter also says the school has added this as an item to the agenda for the next regular school board meeting on December 12th. This is really out of the hands of the board. Um, The board doesn't really get to decide under constitutional law who has access and who doesn't. Everett points to the Supreme Court decision in 2001's Good News Club versus Milford Central School case. The court ruled then that a school district cannot limit the First Amendment rights of groups wanting access to a school. Even if you don't like us, that um, we are here and... um, you know, we're part of what, you know, makes the United States a free country where you can believe whatever you want to believe or not. 
The club is set to launch at the school on December 15th. The school's complete statement is on our website, wavy.com. In the newsroom, I'm Julie Malay. Time on your side. I don't know how much analysis this really requires. I don't think it requires hardly any. These people are insane. They are not well. They were not hugged when they were children. No different than gang mentality. Inner city individuals who affiliate with a gang because they didn't have a family where they sat home at a dinner table and had normal conversations like normal human beings. These are previously molested children who grow up to be adults and then they associate with a satanic temple and then claim and want people to believe that uh, Satan or Lucifer is an imaginary character when those of us who know know that that is not true. The devil is very real. But again, that's what the devil seeks to do with people, of course, is to trick them into believing that he does not exist and that he is imaginary when in fact he is not. Okay. Here are the seven tenets of the Satanic Temple, if you were unaware. The SatanicTemple.com, by the way. It says the following. There are seven fundamental tenets. Number one. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. All right. Number two, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Number three, keeping in mind, of course, ladies and gentlemen, that, you know, it's just about being a good person, so saith the head of the temple, or the head of their PR department, whoever the hell that woman was. Uh, Number three, one's body is invoidable, subject to one's own will alone. Number four, the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend, to willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Got it. So cause problems with other people. Got it. Number five, beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Well, that doesn't exactly make sense. (laughs) Believe what you want, but uh, yeah, don't distort scientific facts to believe, uh, to change your own beliefs or fit your own beliefs, whatever. These people are confused. Number six, people are fallible. You got that right. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. I have something you should rectify. How about the previous tenets you've just written? And tenant number seven, Every tenant is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. Well, then we don't need to pay attention to anything you've written or spoken, so there you have it. Uh, mission accomplished. Anyway, here's how, you, here's how you shut this entire thing down, 100%. You want to shut this down, you shut it down by not sending children to American public schools. Period. That's how you shut it down. It's the fastest way to do it. The school board will panic. The state will get involved. State lawyers will get involved. They will engage in a fight with the Satanic Temple and the people running these clubs. 
And then ultimately, there will have to be state legislation and state law that is signed to keep these groups out. So they're allowing satanic clubs, but they won't allow the Bible. Got it. Got it. This is, this again, you know, if the, if the devil has his hand in helping destroy American public schools, private schools, charter schools, whatever, it has to be God who is manipulating the devil in order to participate in this. Because the people supporting these satanic clubs, again, are the useful idiots. They're the individuals that have no idea that they themselves are the ones destroying these institutions by their own hand. And they may not care, which is fine, because me personally, I don't want these institutions to exist in the future either. But the fastest way to make them crumble is to stop participating. That's just another reason right there why people should stop participating. Homeschooling in the future is the only way. It's the only way forward. It's the only way out of this mess. You cannot fix this mess from the inside out. We know that the jabs are doing a number on the individuals who work within these buildings. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But you can't fix this. This is just, it's just another excuse and another reason. So there you have it. Okay. This uh, this works its way right into the jab discussion here and a lot of jab stories that I want to mention. And again, a lot of emails and posts from listeners of the show that they wanted me to bring up, and I told them I would, so I'm going to. But first, this comes from the covidblog.com. This was making the rounds last week. Canadian University ends vaccine mandate after two students, including a TikTok star, whatever, <laughs> TikTok star. That's funny. Die unexpectedly. Car accident cause of death is a lie. So it says the following from London, Ontario. Two Canadian college students are dead and mainstream media are doing their best to deflect from the obvious cause of death. Western University, aka the University of Western Ontario, is located in London, Ontario. The school first implemented a vaccine mandate for students living on campus in May of 2021. Said mandate was extended to all students and staff in August of 2021. Canadians were experiencing peak COVID dysphoria at the time, and people were incarcerated in lockdown hotels and intimidated into keeping vax injuries silent. Quick interjection. Let's never forget the the hotel lockdown thing that took place. Don't forget those videos. Don't forget the commentary on that. Don't forget that that existed. That they were locking people in hotel rooms, putting security guards in hallways, and there was endless video footage of people breaking out of these hotels, ripping the door knobs off of their own rooms, sneaking out into the hallways, only to open the uh, elevator doors and find security guards standing in the elevator doors to escort them back to their room and then put the lock back on and so on and so forth. This was happening in endless countries. It's happening in Ireland. It's happening in Britain. It was happening in Australia. I mean, my God. So don't forget the hotel lockdowns. That, that, uh, that video footage is ingrained in my mind. 
this continues. It says the so-called pandemic exposed Canada's universal health care system for what it really is. The college students and staff obediently cooperated with mandates in exchange for some semblance of normalcy. Jab, jab, jab. It says Canadians grew tired of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his totalitarian rules culminating in the Truckers' Freedom Convoy earlier this year. More on that later. Western University implemented a booster mandate for the fall of 2022 semester. It was announced just two weeks before classes started and after students had already paid their tuition and fees. Western was the only university in Canada with a campus-wide booster mandate, according to the Globe and Mail. The University of Toronto requires booster shots for students living in resident halls, so they'll be dead. It then says hundreds of Western University students protested against the booster mandates in late August. Five students filed a lawsuit in Ontario Superior Court in earlier September, sorry, in early September, in an attempt to block the booster mandate. It says Judge Kelly Tranquil, sorry, Tranquilly, dismissed the lawsuit on September 24th. She ruled that Western University is express, expressly and broadly empowered to, to do such things as it considers to be for the good of the university and consistent with the public interest, quote-unquote. Judge Tranquilly also ruled that it's perfectly legal for the university to collect and store students' medical records. Uh, It says the university, however, extended the deadline for students to receive booster shots from August 1st to January 9th of 2023. Just leave. If everybody leaves, their unconstitutional mandates, which does not legally mean mandatory, will go away. Because if no one shows up, they panic. Because they can't exist if no one shows up. This game, I gotta tell you what, this game is so easily won, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. (laughs) All you have to do is just turn around and walk away. What am I going to do? I'm on a scholarship. I, you know, I'm already double jabbed. Great. It ain't going to mean jack shit if you're dead. So take a third shot. Take a fourth shot. Find out what happens, or you could just walk away. Since it's absolutely nuts. Spencer Cornelius, 20-year-old Western University student, dies unexpectedly. Mr. Spencer Harrison Kurt Cornelius, there's a name for you, was a management and organizational studies major at Western University, according to his LinkedIn page. He also had a real estate license and was a sales representative for Elite Choice Realty. Details are scant, but Cornelius passed away unexpectedly on October 18th. And then Mega Thacker, that's her name, 21-year-old Western University student and TikTok influencer dies suddenly and unexpectedly. She lived on campus in the 2021-22 school year, moved to Saugi, if I'm saying that right, my apologies, to work in her second year. Uh, Let's see, lots of followers on TikTok, good for her, doesn't mean anything. Says media interference propaganda campaign about car accident, quote unquote, cause of death completely exposed as a lie. It says the interference campaign commenced one day before the parents publicly announced the death. 
a website called GeniusCelebs.com, that's ironic, reported on November 29th that Ms. Thacker, uh, or Thakur, however you say it, died unexpectedly in a car accident. The website further stated arriving paramedics reportedly declared her dead at the scene of the event. We were immediately skeptical of the article because it linked snbc13.com as the original source for its information. The reason we're familiar with said website is either pure coincidence or snbc13.com, which was created on February 10th of 2022, has a specific propaganda purpose. It says, but the photo is from an April 10th. I'm sorry, April 20th, 2021 car accident. So there you have it. You know, a media outlet is uh, is lying about a car accident, claiming she was in a car accident and died in a car accident when in fact she didn't. Okay. Jabbed. And there you have it. It certainly seems like they're going to try to bring back the mask wearing and ramp up the jab taking even more if they can. I, I would not be surprised again if they pulled this card one more time. According to Sicily in New Mexico, their state government is ramping up their public health orders regarding COVID and flu shots, as uh, upper respiratory illnesses are all of a sudden on the rise, and nobody can figure out why. Weird. I'm going to play that quick report here in 3, 2, 1. With breaking news. And then breaking news as we join you, the State Department of Health issuing a public health emergency order to help hospitals address the rise in respiratory viruses. This comes as cases of RSV continue to rise along with the flu and COVID-19. The department recommends the public take precautionary public health measures. Recent evaluations show the state is nearing a level of hospital capacity strain, especially pediatric hospitals, which might require activating crisis standards of care. Do we even have to ask the question anymore? Do we even have to ask? The only people experiencing illness right now are the jabbed and the people being shed on by the jabbed. It's always been the case. This has always been the case. And you've heard me say it a million times. That's why these school environments are so dangerous, is because you have both jabbed and unjabbed congregating in close proximity to one another. Not to mention, we can assume that the majority of the staff members are jabbed. As far as the student population being jabbed or not, I would say it's pro. you know, I, I don't know. I would be guessing. I'd say at least 50%. It's probably around 50%. But again, the people who drank this Kool-Aid at the old Jim Jones gathering, that was the school teachers and the administrators. So how's that working out for everybody? Which actually leads me to this first post. Well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this first. I have no doubt, again, because this is happening in California, in particular in L.A. County, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, they're looking to re-implement their mask wearing indoors. I'm, I'm telling you, they, they don't care what the public thinks about facts. And it's evident that people implementing or re-implementing mask wearing or doubling down on shot taking have no idea what they're doing. They are beyond brainwashed. They cannot be helped. This is completely about control. So given the fact that they're probably going to re-implement this, certainly in the next, I would say, probably January, February, when the proverbial shit hits the fan and more and more people get sick, um, 
they're 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 going to be backed into a corner here that's going to be their last play. It will be their last play. And I it's going to be interesting to see how the public pushes back on this one. You've heard me say again They've backed themselves into a play where no matter what they do strategically, it, it will finish them off. I think that's what's so brilliant about this. It really is Sun Tzu, the art of war, without a doubt. They have no idea they've lost, no matter what strike they attempt to make or re-implementation of these unconstitutional measures they make, they're finished. And it's glorious. I think it's glorious. Um, here, here's a again an anonymous post that was brought to me by a uh, a listener of the show, and thank you for sending it my way. They they hit me up in the comments section of Podbean. They said the following: They said, "quote I'm substituting at a state charter high school that blends college classes as well. The students are very conservative and mostly homeschooled, so there haven't been much sickness. Almost surely not jabbed." Dash, but the teachers were very sick. A business teacher was gone for several weeks and then just was gone, and nobody told us why. Three other teachers got sick for at least two weeks. I was working a lot. Unquote. These individuals again getting sick and even dying. Um, you know, a lot of the, a, a lot of people will receive emails. In particular, if they're working in K-12 schools, and they'll say things like, you know, uh, we're short on subs, we have a lot of absences, can you please come and fill in? That, that, that's commonplace and always has been commonplace, in particular before 2020. You have, to, you have to know for a fact that that's happening on a constant basis in schools all across the United States with, with regularity. There's something else, too, here that needs to be brought up. And I want to apologize in advance for bringing this up for the individual who tossed this information my way, but I need to bring this up just briefly because it matters and it's factual. There is a thing that is happening apparently in American K-12 schools, and we can't assume that a few local schools are the only ones engaging in this particular practice. This has to be happening all over the place. But apparently there are, again, as you heard me mention in a previous episode, there are school nurses who are seeing American K-12 school students come to them with cardiovascular problems and complaining of chest pain and a variety of other things. One of the things that these nurses are allegedly doing is they are trying to recruit school teachers to become certified in CPR. And they're trying to see how many teachers are certified in CPR and then basically create these crisis task forces, so to speak, so that if students just start dropping over dead in the middle of class, then school teachers will know exactly what to do or who to call in order to get someone to show up and provide CPR and chest compressions. This is not normal. None of this is normal. Yes, CPR training is usually offered within many school districts. It's not difficult to obtain. I think it's an abomination that uh, an individual has to actually go through a, a full class and be a card-carrying member of a CPR trained. I'm officially CPR trained. Good for you. If you can't watch a YouTube video on what to do, then you, you know, I mean, you're brain dead. So. 
I don't understand the card carrying nonsense and the certification nonsense. I think it's useless. Uh, but either way, this particular strategic move in order to cover for the fact that jabs are the cause of people dying, in particular from, again, heart attacks and these uh, nanoparticle blood clots, which are, again, not blood clots, they are different and far more nefarious, is uh, the, the normalization of this is absolutely insane. And again, I don't know if the school nurses themselves are actually connecting the dots to what's going on. And again, those are going to be the people that are going to kill themselves. Th these are the individuals that are not going to be able to walk down the street because they were advocating for copious amounts of people to take these shots, including students. Not to mention, you have to know this for a fact, that American K-12 school nurses were probably given carte blanche to say whatever they wanted at the height of all of this propaganda and this entire psychological operation within faculty meetings within K-12 schools all across the United States, because for the very first time, school nurses thought that they had it all figured out. And now they've been given a grand stage to engage in their performance. Like everybody else is stupid in the room except for the school nurse. This is nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And again, it's people like the school nurses who are going to be torn limb from limb when the public starts to figure out what's going on. Much of the public already knows, in particular the public who are not attending these institutions. But they are not going to be free from judgment in the future. So, yeah. One of the more dangerous professions, ladies and gentlemen, in America, the American K-12 school nurse. Uh, it's going to get real dangerous for them real quick. Okay, moving on. This comes from Kim Carter. Uh, she's been a guest previously on the show, and Kim is a nurse again at a hospital south of where I live, rather large hospital. Uh, she sent me a series of text messages, and I wanted to read them here. She also sent me video of the Bluetooth signals that she was picking up on her phone as she was walking into the hospital. As we know, many of the jabbed are giving off Bluetooth signals, and there were at least 270-plus Bluetooth signals that were popping up on her phone and what's interesting is, is that some of them, of course, are identifiable. If it's an Apple iWatch, it says Apple iWatch below it. If it's an Apple iPhone, it says so. If it's a computer, it says so. And there's a particular kind of computer that apparently they use at their work, and that was popping up also. But then there were a giant series of unknowns, and it just said unknown, 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 unknown in this giant list of, again, over 270-plus Bluetooth signals. Very suspicious, I think, to say the least. But she sent me the following here uh, in this particular thread where we were talking back and forth and asking each other questions. She said uh, she's at this hospital, select specialty. She says, quote, One of my patients was 40 years old, necrotizing pancreatitis, had three doses of Pfizer, no health conditions prior to vax. She's rotting from the inside out. Had to send her to UC two weeks ago. She went septic and evolved 
into uh, Peritontis, if I'm saying that right, probably not. Uh, She said, quote, I draw all labs on my patients. When I drew her labs that morning, her blood clotted before I could swap tubes, and then it clotted in the line. Never seen blood clot so fast. She then said, and the blood looks exactly like it did on died suddenly. It's all grainy like coffee grounds. New patient admitted today, past medical history of only hypertension and hyperlipidemia. Had one dose of Pfizer, end of last year, now now has esophageal cancer, necrotizing pancreatitis and abdominal uh, abscesses, I believe, or accesses. Uh, 53 years old, and she wants the next COVID and flu vax. She then said, I had a patient watch died suddenly. He wanted to know why I didn't get the vax. Said he'd had three. He said, quote, and it isn't killed me yet, unquote, or hasn't killed me yet, unquote. I told him yet. It made him sick to his stomach, unquote. Yeah, you know, here's here's a larger point that that I really do want to mention, and I want to bring this up, and I want people to recognize this. And I know that the listeners of this show know this, but we have all been victims of MK Ultra. If you don't know what MK Ultra is, I highly recommend you look it up. It is real. We've all been victims of Operation Mockingbird. All of these are mind control programs. And one of the best parts about the Q posts and the Q drops was that that was a deprogramming operation that was designed to wake people up out of, again, the MK Ultra mind control apparatus that we have been born into, the Matrix, if you will. Three generations at least. Anybody born within the 20th century has been a victim of this, and of course, generations well into the 21st century as well. But many of us have woken up from it, and it's really horrific to watch the individuals who have not because of the things that they talk about and the way in which they carry themselves, much like a lot of these jabbed patients who are not connecting the dots between the fact that they have been jabbed and now all of a sudden they have all of these health ailments and they can't figure out why, but please, I can't wait for the day when I get my next shot. I have it circled on the calendar. That, that kind of brainwashing is too thick. Absolutely too thick. And it's a little too late, uh, which, is, which is the sad part. Okay. Uh, there's that. This was also sent my way by a listener of the show and emailed my way. And I want to read through a part of this, take this for what it, for what it's worth. Uh, I, I would say, do not disregard this critically. Think about it is, is all I would say. And it seems beyond plausible. It's horrific, but it seems beyond plausible. This comes from uh, askedastediscovery.com. It's titled The Daigle Report, if I'm saying that right, D-E-A-G-E-L, 
organization rather, predicts massive global depopulation of 50 to 80 percent by 2025. It says historically, a change in the economic, economic paradigm rather, uh, Dangle Organization or the Deagle Organization, again, probably saying it wrong, predicts massive global depopulation of 50 to 80 percent by 2025. It says, quote, a lot of bullet points here, and many of which are, of course, worth diving into. Uh, I'm also going to link this in the description below because it's lengthy, but interesting history lesson as well. It says, Daigle, a true intelligence organization for the United States government, predicts a massive 50 to 80 percent global depopulation by 2025. Few people are familiar with this website, and even more say the organization does not legitimately exist. Despite the overwhelming removal of its significance, WikiLeaks documents revealed that it was legitimately used as a reference material in the Stratfor report on the technological capabilities of the North People's Republic of Korea. According to its own website, uh, Daigle provides news and information on international military aviation and advanced technologies. The website contains articles from 2003, but little is known about the real owners. Many online researchers have mistakenly confused this site with Deagle.com, which is owned by Edwin A. Deagle Jr., Assistant to the Secretary of Defense and Assistant Secretary of Defense. Uh, let's see. Deagle's reports, particularly the aforementioned research on North Korea, were also provided to the president during presidential briefings. Deagle thus provides information which is then used by global intelligence communities and governments. Here is a partial list of the known Deagle partners and customers according to their own websites. The National Security Agency, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, the Russian Defense Procurement Agency, Stratfor, and the World Bank in the United Nations. It continues, it says, the advantage of these forecasts is that Daigle's site has no conflicts of interest in these forecasts. They are literally mercenaries. The site analyzes which budgets will be allocated to which markets to purchase military aircraft. That's all that really matters to them. These forecasts are based on the reconciliation of various publicly available reports from institutions such as the CIA, the uh, IMF, and the UN. It says they also include a small amount of data from a variety of dark sources, quote-unquote, such as web gurus. It says, but all of these sources are on the internet. The list is consistently evolving. Forecasts of population growth or decline, military spending, and purchasing power parity across countries around the world have fluctuated somewhat, but since 2015, one prediction has not changed. China will be the largest economy on the planet in 2025. It has Canada. UK, United Kingdom statistics, Germany, France, Australia. Again, gross domestic product, military budget, etc., etc. It says the following here. Um, wow, there's a lot here. I almost want to read through this whole thing. We'll see what happens. 
It's his massive global depopulation of 50 to 80 percent, according to Daigle. It says, quote, This highly regarded intelligence organization has bleak prospects for the United States in the years to come, including an 81 percent decline in its population, from 327 million in 2017 to 100 million in 2025. In fact, it predicted a similar cataclysmic fate for the UK, Australia, Germany, Japan, Denmark, and other U.S. allies. For example, according to Daigle, the population of France will increase from 67 million inhabitants in 2017 to 39. They must mean decrease. To 39 million. Yeah, they mean decrease. Typo. This is where this gets odd because they consistently say increase in population, but the numbers they're showing are a decrease, or a clear decrease in population. I'm just going to read it as it actually is written. So keep that in mind that there's a massive typo in this. And again, don't know if this can be taken seriously or not. We know what the jabs are doing, but you know, data projections like this are interesting uh, either way. So let's see. It says France will increase, although they mean decrease, from 67 million uh, in 2017 to 39 million in 2025. England, from 66 million to 15 million. Australia, from 23 million to 15 million. Germany, 81 million to 28 million. While the population of Canada, they say, will grow from 36 million to 26 million in 2025. That's not accurate. Do they mean decrease? Um, they have to. It says, to make matters even stranger, well, beyond the typos, it says a statement on Daigle's predictions page apparently claims that the population movements are due to suicide and assures us that the organization is not a merchant of death or satanic worship. It says, historically, quote, a shift in economic paradigms has resulted in a death toll that is seldom highlighted by mainstream historians when the transition from rural areas to large cities occurred in Europe. Many people unable to accept the new paradigm committed suicide. They committed suicide by a psychological factor. This is not common, but it is true. A new crisis combines old, well-known models with new ones. We are not a dealer in death or in satanic worship or in weapons, as there are rumors floating around the internet about this." It then says, quote, from Daigle.com, take into account that the forecast is nothing more than a model, whether it is wrong or correct. It is not the word of God or some magical device that predicts the future. It says most of the economic and demographic data used to make the forecasts are widely available from institutions such as, again, the CIA, IMF, UN, U.S. government, etc., Again, with those institutions to the side here, which of course we can't necessarily trust those institutions, I certainly don't. Um, if we just look at what we're actually seeing with our own eyes in society, it's beyond it's plausible that this is that this is uh the way forward here, that this is what's going to happen, or is currently, of course, happening. Again, we've seen lots of footage from these grave sites within particular countries where they're absolutely massive and they're brand new. Again, it's an interesting history lesson, too. It has to do with migratory patterns of individuals, economic status, how both of those things lead to individuals becoming ill. Both of those things lead to uh, people killing themselves, unfortunately, and so on and so forth. But it's worth, it's worth a read. It's worth a consideration. 
And again, our eyes aren't lying. If we're if we're driving around or we're uh, you know attending particular places and and we're looking around and there just aren't as many people around, we're, we're going to notice that. You've heard me mention that again regarding university campuses all across the United States. That has to be the case. So, I don't know, but it's beyond plausible. Is my point. Here, however, is something else that I wanted to mention and, and read this briefly, in particular this abstract. This, of course, is something that's happening with more frequency, which again is, I think, just very revealing. Uh, this was published, again, in the Clinical Research in Cardiology of this year, just a week ago. And it's titled Autopsy Based Histopathological Characterization of Myocarditis After Anti-SARS-CoV-2 Vaccination. So long story short, people who are receiving these shots are receiving myocarditis, and the autopsies are proving this to be the case. Articles like this, coming out in major academic journals more frequently, is very revealing and is going to continue to be the case, I think. The abstract of this study says the following, quote, Cases of myocarditis diagnosed clinically by laboratory tests and imaging have been described in the context of mRNA-based anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. Autopsy-based description of detailed histological features of vaccine-induced myocarditis is lacking. We describe the autopsy findings and common characteristics of myocarditis in untreated persons who received anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. Standardized autopsies were performed on 25 persons who had died unexpectedly within 20 days after anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. In four patients who received a mRNA vaccination, we identified acute epimyocarditis without detection of another significant disease or health constellation that may have caused an unexpected death. It continues and it says histology showed patchy interstitial, if I'm saying that right, no way I am, myocardial T lymphocytic infiltration predominantly of the CD4 positive subset associated with mild myocyte damage. Overall, autopsy findings indicated death due to acute arrhythmogenic cardiac failure. Thus, myocarditis can be a potentially lethal uh, complication following the mRNA-based anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. Our findings may aid in adequately diagnosing unclear cases after vaccination and in establishing a timely diagnosis in vivo, thus providing the framework for adequate monitoring and early treatment of severe clinical cases, unquote. How about this? How about they start saying again in these abstracts, under no circumstance should people take these shots? Because if it's causing this among 25 individuals, or at the very least a percentage of 25 individuals, whether it be 5%, 10%, whatever, uh, 25% of the individuals who have taken these shots, isn't that enough to stop the entire thing? You'd think so. You would certainly think so. 
I want to briefly mention this too, because this is something that is increasing with time. And unfortunately, there are fights in foreign countries over children when it comes to receiving tainted blood from the jab, when it comes to blood transfusions. Again, we know what the embalmers are seeing. We know what Kim Carter is seeing. She's not the only nurse seeing this and and connecting the dots. But uh, I just wanted to read this headline because, again, more and more people know what's going on with this with this tainted blood and this jabbed blood, and they don't want it, which is causing a dramatic increase, I might add, in untainted vax blood donation banks, so to speak. Just clean blood, un- unjabbed blood is is really in high demand here but this uh this comes from the rare foundation and it's titled medical fascism uh new zealand fight to remove baby from parents who refuse tainted vaccinated blood for child's operation i want to play the embedded audio in this article so give this a listen in three two one the blood that they're going to use so we have therefore asked if we can have direct donor blood. Um, they have to use blood for this operation because it's open heart operation. And it's a bypass machine, so they've got to put blood in there. Um, we, yeah, maybe you want to say a bit more on that. Cool, yeah. Can you tell us your thinking behind well, that? They, they have to prime the machine up because the baby, they stop the baby's heart, then in order for it to all go the way that it's supposed to, blood needs to be in the machine to keep his body working while while they're operating on the heart. And so the whole thing is, is you know, we, we don't want blood that is tainted by vaccination, and that's the end of the deal. We're, we're fine with anything else these doctors want to do. They are, in their field, they're the best doctors for the job. But they're not flexible and not educated in, in what we all know to be the truth, which is the blood banks compromise now with vaccinated blood everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a little bit the metaphor could be like the Mormons say we would like yeah. to use our blood yeah. in an operation. It's a little bit like that. This is what the world has turned into. You have I've checked with some other doctors, mm. and they've said no. You should absolutely have the right to say the blood you want to use. Yeah. But is it going to cause a huge amount of extra problem for them? Is is that why they're saying no? No. 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 Yeah. What? How have you avoided it causing any so extra stress? What, what have you done? What we've even done is we've organised all the donors. They're all ready. The donors you've so, organised. Yeah, we've organised all the, the hospitals. How many is that, It's got to be. We've got at least twenty you know, plus. Yeah. This is O positive blood. O positive, O negative pediatric donors who we've already screened. We've got them to do the sample test, so they've been screened. They're all approved by the blood bank to be donors. Can I can I just set this? They've got twin babies. We've got little Jethro here, who's who's fine. We've got Will, who's who's desperately in need of surgery. Mm. You've got children at home as well. You've got this little toddler. Mm. You are new parents to these twins, and you've done all of this. The mm. hospital has not done it. No, they won't do it. They have their own blood donors for their own child for the operation. And the doctors don't want to participate in giving their child clean blood from these blood donors. I got to tell you, the, the lack of logic with what's going on across the world here is next level. It is a lack of thinking that, that uh, 
is unexplainable other than the fact that it's just pure brainwashing. Pure mind control. That's the only explanation. Absolutely awful, to say the least. There is also, I might add, just a quick visual observation. I know you can't see it right now, but there's a look of maturity on the child's face who is an infant, clearly, incapable of talking. One of their older daughters was bouncing around the two parents, and you could hear her, of course, as as they were talking with a reporter, but there's a, a look of maturity on the child's face and a calmness for, for the child who is set to receive open-heart surgery or maybe already has. It's amazing. It just a, a maturity in their eyes and in their face. It's astounding. Um, I do want to mention this too. Again, this is, a, this is a good thing, so I'm going to end on a positive note. And then again, I have an anonymous post that I want to read here, which again sort of describes the time we're living in. This is from the Daily Mail, and it is titled, Anti-Vaxxer Nurse Who Injected Up to 8,600 Elderly Patients with Salt Water Instead of COVID Vaccine Walks Free from Court in Germany. The bullet points. It says the nurse in Germany uh, jabbed up to 8,600 elderly people with saline solution. The nurse administered the fake vaccines and left people without protection. The defendant shared anti-vaxxer posts on social media during the pandemic. Uh, Red Cross nurse Ant GT39, no way I'm getting that name right, jabbed thousands of elderly patients at a vaccine center in Germany that she was told and told them that it was the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine, uh, but was just a saltwater solution. This individual again has saved copious amounts of lives, period, all 8,000 plus. Now, we can assume that the 8,600 plus probably went somewhere else and got another jab by someone else, you know, at another location, but at least this individual tried. And there you go. Apparently in Germany, if you jab people with water then uh, or salt water, saline solution, then it's not a crime. Good to know. Good to know moving forward. Okay, here's the last post. Again, anonymous post from greatawakening.win. Thought it was interesting. Wanted to read it and share it. And then I will catch everybody on Wednesday. It says the following, quote, Does anyone else feel like they're being groomed for something? It says, I would like to say that ever since I was introduced to Q, that felt this way. But to be honest, I believe I have felt this my entire life. It seems as if my experiences, no matter how nonsensical or dangerous, were guided to make me who I am today for a reason. Poverty taught me humility and compassion, while the rough neighborhoods made me strong. Dropping out of high school, To help the family taught me responsibility, instilled a sense of urgency, and kept me from being indoctrinated in the cult of higher learning. College really is a cult with leadership, ceremonies, gowns, etc. They got that right. They continued, they said later, uh, dehabilitating panic attacks taught me introspection, how to respect, and not only that, 
what you believe is your reality, but also there are others such as the media which try to sculpt those beliefs and fears to manipulate you. It taught me to distrust psychiatrists and other mental health figures who keep trying to peddle drugs. Note that I was able to cure my panic attacks in days by cutting out sugar and sweets and supplementing with magnesium up to a gram a day. I still had a bit of anxiety from time to time, but serious phobias literally disappeared. Later autoimmune issues honed my research skills and introduced the basis of my conspiratorial-minded thinking that continues to this day as I found it was just mental health practitioners who were full of it, but almost all doctors and physicians. Anyone with gut and skin issues can tell you that most docs say it's all in your head. All this time, though, something never let me give up. Something kept me from going out with friends when they did their most stupid. Something kept my house safe while friends had their houses shot up. Something gave me all these crazy experiences and happenings all around, but kept me alive and eventually pulled me through it. I know it's for a reason. I feel it. To be honest, just hearing a description of Frazzle Drip really jacked me for a while. All these dark places I go all impact me, and sometimes pretty hard. I am not a rock. That's what Jesus is for. And it concludes here with the following. It says, quote, Perhaps we were put through trials to prepare us for what is to come. At times we may be questioning our ability to handle some of what we learn. You may question your faith and even reality itself, but perhaps our experiences were guided to expose us and strengthen us for exactly these things, so that we may stand strong in our convictions, but be humbled by the truth enough to show empathy to those who had no guide. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the lessons and assists, unquote. Very well said. There is no doubt that we were built for this. If we're awake, it is by the hand of God. I have no doubt about that. I'll catch you on Wednesday, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.